Hi, this is Jim Lobato, and I'm president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You're listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on the BizTalk radio show. I started BizTalk so you'd have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group. At Performance Group, we work at the front end of a company's revenue stream. We find the salespeople who generate the revenue, and we provide onboarding programs that get them doing that sooner. Our passion is aligning talent with opportunity. That's why we're known as a Salesforce development company. Enjoy the program. On our program today, we have Keith Eads and Tim Sullivan from Sales Performance Group International, one of the largest sales improvement firms in the world. Keith Eads is the founder and CEO of SPI. He is considered one of the most knowledgeable authorities on transforming companies into world-class organizations. Tim Sullivan is the Director of Business Development at SPI, where he works with clients to identify and develop solutions for sales performance issues. We're fortunate that Keith and Tim have joined us to share insights from their book, The Collaborative Sale, the definitive guide to the new reality of sales in a world of empowered buyers. Keith and Tim, welcome to the program. Thanks, Tim. Glad to be here. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, glad to be here with you. Well, it's my pleasure because a topic we've been talking about for the last three years off and on on BizTalk is the transformation of the sales process, transformation of sales organizations, transformations in terms of how buyers are buying. And we've had other people on talking about that transformation. So my first question, from your perspective, and whether it's Keith or Tim, whoever answered this first, talk to me about, in a brief summary, what you see the transformation that's been going on between the roles that our salespeople have to play and the roles that buyers are playing these days. Okay, Jim, this is Keith. I'll start with that one. First and foremost, the book, The Collaborative Sale, and why we've written this book as it relates to your question is that the research clearly indicates that buying behavior has changed dramatically over the last few years. And that's been stimulated in mostly or in great part because of the access that buyers have to information. The first thing that almost any buyer does, whether it's any product or service, is that they search the Internet. So these buyers are very empowered. And in the book, in the collaborative sale that Tim and I have written, we refer to these as buyer 2.0. It's like the next generation of buyer. And then the highlight of that that we, we point out in the book, that statistically today buyers are probably close to almost 60%, 57.7% through their buying process before they ever contact salespeople. So just immediately the world needs to change for sellers in the event that dealing with these empowered buyers – And in the book, that's specifically what we deal with by defining what we call new sales persona and then strategies and tactics to deal with these new empowered buyers. So that's really kind of the big transformative concept that we're bringing forward in this new book called The Collaborative Sale. Thanks for that, Keith. I was talking to a gentleman the other day, and they had their sales team actually in our office, and someone asked me the question. They said, well, you know, I've been in the sales profession in some form for the last 35 years. And they say, Jim, what changes have you seen? And I said, selling fundamentally hasn't changed. Technology has changed how maybe we connect with people or how people hide from us, however you want to look at it in some cases. I said, the main thing that I've noticed is the fact that buyers come into the relationship farther down the cycle than what people are used to. And if you're providing just product information, I said, they're way past you when you first engage them. They're looking for something more. 
Whenever I say that, Keith and Tim, I sometimes get this blank stare back. I don't know if people either believe me or they don't experience it or they don't know what to do about it. So in your experience, are salespeople aware today that what you're talking about of the buyer being better informed, in some cases probably farther down their decision process than we give them credit for, are they aware that that is going on? And if they're not, what can we do in terms of making people aware that what you're talking about is really true today? Jim, this is Tim. I'd like to take that one, if I may. First of all, I think that sellers are becoming aware that certainly they understand that buyer behavior is different. They may not be aware that it's because the buyers have access to more information than ever before and can form an idea of what it is they may want to buy, but they are becoming aware. This book is part of an effort to educate them, certainly. And I also think that sellers are beginning to understand that Some of the widely accepted practices of how you engage with customers don't apply anymore. Buyers are much more equipped to be able to know what it is that they want to purchase before they ever engage with us. So uh, we have to change our behavior as sales professionals accordingly. And the savvy ones are doing it intuitively, but I think you're absolutely right. I think people are not aware today that they're going to have to change their behavior to align with buyers who are much more informed and getting engaged with them later in the process. One thing I will say before we go on, there is definitely an opportunity for sellers to engage earlier with buyers if they change their own behavior. And so to get back to the front of the purchase process as well by engaging in some of the persona that we talked about and demonstrating situational fluency, getting out there in social media, creating your own personal brand, et cetera. So you can still create opportunities with customers. You just have to engage with them earlier in a different way than perhaps we've done in the past. So, Keith and Tim, when did you realize that the world that you're selling into, just this new buyer-driven world, had changed? And you said to yourself, you know, there's something new and different going on here. When did that realization happen? Well, first of all, it's not like an overnight thing, Jim. We've been in this space, the sales performance space, since 1988-89. It is our businesses have grown, both domestically and globally, because we're doing business in some 54 countries around the world. You know, this evolves. Through our research, we spend a great deal of time in customer and client research, and also in the fact that as we work in client engagement. But to be more specific about that, what starts to happen is through the use of technology, we start working in what we call pipeline and opportunity reviews, and we just started seeing higher numbers of what we'll call pipeline or opportunities within pipeline, where, in fact, we're using the old way of doing things, engaging in the sales process that the companies had given them to follow, and they were almost like robots. So specifically, those were the kind of actions that indicated that things aren't working. And from a time frame standpoint, let's say over the last five to seven years, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Thanks for joining in on the conversation Our guests are Tim Sullivan and Keith Eads. We're talking about their book, The Collaborative Sale. In addition to Keith and Tim sharing their wisdom with you on this program, you can hear other experts cover topics such as recruiting, leadership, marketing, performance management, sales management, and, of course, personal development through podcasts out on our website. That's at biztalkradioshow.com. Okay, when we left off Keith and Tim, we were talking about the accelerated changes we're seeing in the sales process 
and how people have to interact and sell today. Do you think the recession of 08 and 09 and the lingering effects of that had any impact on accelerating the changes that we're talking about today? Genesis, Tim, I absolutely think that was kind of the turning point for accelerating these kinds of behavior changes and buyer behavior, and we're continuing to see that today. We live in a world where global economic uncertainty is certainly, you know, perpetuating. It's still going on today, and so buyers' perception of risk is higher than it's ever been. Uh, Also, couple that with the availability and growing availability of information and all of the information that people can get through the Internet and the technology that brings it to them. We're beginning to see a whole new generation, we call them millennials, who buy and behave differently today. So certainly that recession was the start of it and accelerated, but uh, we're seeing some other trends that are continuing to accelerate changes in buyer behavior. And sellers need to adapt and align with that behavior in order to be successful today. If I could also, Jim, add to that, but it's nice conversation to say this is what's happening, but sales organizations and sellers are really looking for specific tools or ideas. In our book, The Collaborative Sale, we're giving them three definitive, what we call newly defined sales personas that they need to use or engage in, right, to deal with these new buyers. And if I could... Specifically, and Tim mentioned this, but we're introducing something in the book we call micro-marketers. And that basically is the idea that salespeople need to assume the role of a marketer, right, to help stimulate or create demand for their products and services with these new buyers. And as Tim mentioned, you begin to do that in different ways. And we introduce this in the book through social media and other elements where they begin to have influence when the buyer's not actually talking to them. They're engaging in conversations with buyers in a much different way to help stimulate or create. The second area in the book that we're introducing, it's what we call visualizers, and it's the ability, once they do engage, and they know that the buyer is probably far down their path, it's the ability to either create, re-engineer visions, right, around capabilities that the buyer probably hasn't thought of. So they really have to know that that's where that buyer is. But this is a persona that really gives them strategy and tactics to help. And last but not least, because of what Tim was just describing, because of the high-risk nature of buyers today, we're introducing a persona called a value driver, which from the very beginning, it's designed specifically to help sellers begin to quantify the value and help build business case ROI around what their products or services actually do. These are the kind of things, tactically, that sellers have to be able to do today to engage with these new buyers. And thank you for that, because for the transition over to that, that's exactly where we're going. It's nice to talk about, but it's like, now what, so what, right? What do we need to do about it? Sure. Micro-marketers, visualizers, and value drivers. Boy, not enough time on our program today because I think we could spend an entire program on each one of those three topics. So let's get to the important stuff on this. First of all, micro-marketer, responsibility of the salesperson today or the marketing department? Let me touch on that. I'm sure Keith will follow up. What we found in our research was that sellers just simply don't get enough leads to be able to attain their individual sales goals. In fact, they have to generate close to 70% of their own business 
And so they can't depend on marketing departments alone to be able to provide them. It's great if they can. It's a wonderful thing. And certainly marketing can do things to help assist sellers and empower them to be able to engage with the new buyers more effectively. And we talk about that in the book. But sellers have to take some responsibility. And there are things that sellers can do and should do to be a micromarketer. They should have their own personal brand. In fact, the new buyers today, Buyer 2.0, insists that sellers come and bring their own value, that they have their own situational fluency and expertise about understanding what problems they solve. And so if a seller can't do that, if they can't be a micromarketer, then they're at a significant disadvantage, both in terms of quantity of leads they can generate and new business they can create, as well as being able to differentiate themselves when they engage with the buyer as well. What I hear you saying, and I just want to be clear about this, because I think this is an important part. When I talk to sellers today, I say, you know, selling and marketing have always been kissing cousins, but today I believe they really have come together. So are you saying that the personal responsibility of a salesperson today is to figure out how to do some of their own personal marketing? Absolutely. The most effective sellers that we see today are the ones who can engage with Buyer 2.0 in a highly transparent and collaborative fashion. That means they need to be their own expert. And marketing can do a lot to help the sellers to say the right things, to demonstrate and develop that kind of expertise. So we definitely see an evolution or a blending together of sales and marketing functions. It's not you know, a clearly delineated function anymore. There has to be a partnership between sales and marketing to be effective today. Jim, the idea here with marketing departments is to look at the sales organization as a channel for them. So as they create either messaging, or campaigns, the idea is rather than them having total responsibility and they're putting it all out, the idea is to make sure that the sales group or sales organization is fully aligned and engaged and that they're saying the same things. So salespeople can actually take those messages, begin to use social media, have conversations, and they become micro-marketers on their own. Keith, the one suggestion you would give our sellers in terms of what they could be doing on micro-marketing? There's really two, and they're simultaneous, but one is to develop their situational fluency, their expertise, and then begin to apply that in the world of social media by blogging and by writing and by posting so that the world sees you, if you're a seller, so the world sees you as someone that's adding value to that situation. Thank you for that. Tim, so if what you're saying is true, then don't our sales leaders need to rethink how they're managing our people? You know, the traditional thing is, okay, Tim, you know, you got 10 calls today, and we need you on the street by 10 o'clock, and make sure you make four in-persons, and you get it back, and you got to do this. That structure, if you're going to follow the old traditional way, doesn't really leave time to be creative and to think and to figure out how to blog or even hone your skills in becoming the subject matter expert that you are. That's right. Yeah, numbers are still important, Jim. Numbers and activity, but it has to be the right numbers and the right activity. I can make lots of calls, but I can be extremely ineffective if those calls demonstrate to buyers right away that I don't know anything about their business or that I can't add any value. And remember, Buyers are more savvy than ever before today, so just having higher levels of activity can certainly help, but more importantly, I've got to be able to demonstrate situational fluency about 
their issues and their problems and provide them with insight right away in order to engage in a meaningful conversation. So yes, the sellers need to be managed differently. We need to encourage them to develop that expertise and that understanding of the kinds of customers and the specific customers that they're reaching out to to try and sell something. The only thing I would like want to add to that is besides just developing and how they manage, what we're encouraging managers to begin to do is adopt these philosophies around, let's say, these three new personas, right? that salespeople need to become micromarketers, that salespeople need to become visualizers, and salespeople need to become value drivers. Now, what are the activities that support those kinds of initiatives? And that's where their sales process, their managing of their activities, should be focused around something rather than just activities. Make sense? Yeah. So it creates direction behind it or deeper than that? Well, it's more than just direction. I mean, these are specific models. So, for example, in the collaborative sale book, we define the competencies required behind these kinds of sales personas. Now, what managers can then do is work to develop these competencies, right, so that these people can engage in the ways that new buyers need to be addressed. If they're doing it the way they've always done it, the results they're not going to be happy with. They've got to transform and look at the way the buyers are buying and then adopt these new personas that we define, develop those competencies, and then they'll start to see the kind of results they're really looking for. And maybe it's just me, and maybe you can validate this, Keith, but one of the competencies that I have realized in the last well, actually four to five years is the ability to be able to write. In other words, I can't believe how much communicating I have to do today through the written word, whether it's texting, by the way, or writing emails or writing blogs, getting to your micro-marketing point. So is that ability to write one of those new competencies that our salespeople need to have, or is it just unique to me? No, no, it's not unique to you. Communication of any sort is critically important. But let me try to be a little bit more specific where I would link what you're describing or writing in communication. And if I could, I'll give you a real quick example. Historically and in the past, salespeople would make sales calls or have conversations, and if they did reply or follow back up, the typical communication might be, hey, thanks for the meeting, enclose their brochures, Right, We look forward to working with you, that sort of thing. And what we statistically know today, that most of that kind of communication, and for sure most of the marketing brochures, found their way directly into the trash cans, right? In the collaborative cell and with the competencies that we're describing, it's the ability to have a really meaningful conversation around what the problems are, what the issues are, what the differentiated capabilities are, and then in writing – Communicate that back so that both the seller knows that you know and what we call solidifying that joint discovery of vision of capabilities. We also then suggest that in the collaborative cell that you post that into a collaborative site so that not only the person you're talking to but other people in the organization, what you're asking them to do then, in essence, is tell me, did I hear you right? Is this the situation? Is this what it's going to take? And if not, please post back to the collaborative site so that everybody starts to share what we call what the problems are, the reasons are, and the visions are. Now, all of a sudden, as salespeople, we begin to differentiate ourselves 
because we're being totally transparent and communicating in a very open fashion. Key ingredient to both collaborative selling and what it takes to sell to buyer 2.0. What I hear you saying is that ability to listen, that ability then to comprehend or start thinking about matching solutions to what the issues are, and then being able to put that into a format you can feed back to them that lets them know you understand that what they're facing and you may have a possible solution. Well, just to put a bow on that from my perspective, Jim, that is what you're after that's when they know that you know, and you fully differentiate yourself as a seller, right, as opposed to what the typical salesperson historically has done. Huge differentiation. And, Jim, to add on to that, what we discovered as we were writing this book and looking at our clients and also based on the research that we conducted generally, technology is also changing what that kind of communication looks like today. Uh, today it's possible to do collaborative development of joint value propositions online with the customer where they buy into that. Keith mentioned collaboration sites where you can store and forward and gain access to other people in the organization if it's going to be a group buying decision. There's all kinds of other tools that are available today that help sellers to connect with buyers. And the savvy sellers today are the ones who are recognizing that it's not just the message but also the media that's important to buyers because it helps them to make more informed decisions and faster and decisions with less risk. Yeah, and in the new book, we give you lots of examples of those kinds of enabling technologies and sites that salespeople can use to be collaborative today. We're talking with Keith Eads and Timothy Sullivan, their book, The Collaborative Sale, Solution Selling in a Buyer-Driven World. We have spent some time, gentlemen, talking about one of the key elements in your book, which is the micro-marketer persona. You have mentioned the two others, the visualizer persona, the value-driven persona, and I want to touch on, in the short time we have left remaining, the value-driver persona. You know, I think the micro-marketer persona is probably misunderstood. I'm glad that's in your book. I'm glad you put competencies around that. It probably should be a must-read for anybody involved in selling today. I think most people, again, are missing the mark when it comes to that, and quite honestly, I think you're one of the first people to, that we had on the program that specifically address the need for it, so thank you for that. The value-driven persona. Tell us about that. Absolutely. Two things about the value-driver persona that I think are important for sellers to understand. First of all, the ability to quantify value is a key differentiator for sellers today. And what we found in our research is that many sellers either don't quantify the value or the impact of the kinds of capabilities they can provide to customers, which is a huge mistake, or they wait far too late to be able to introduce it, and by that point, the buyer is, doesn't find as much utility in it. So buyers that can work with the seller earlier in their evaluation process to get an idea of what the quantitative impact of what the solutions are that a seller is offering value those sellers more highly. They differentiate them, and they relate better to them. It's more useful to them. So one of the things we do in the book in this value driver persona is we have very specific recommendations for quantifying value early and often, if you will, as they engage with the buyer. The other aspect of the value driver persona is the ability to mitigate this perception of risk. We mentioned earlier that Buyer 2.0 has a very high perception of risk. In fact, I'd say they're motivated more by fear than anything else these days. And so the sellers that understand this and can mitigate that risk 
by collaborating and creating a plan for how the buyer can get value from whatever it is that they're purchasing. And that doesn't have to be a complex plan. It can be fairly simple and address those in advance are much more likely to get the buyer to a decision. Those sellers that don't do that are the ones that end up with a lot of no decisions or deciding to remain with the status quo on the part of buyers. So those are the two aspects of the value driver persona I think people need to understand. Yeah, and Tim, my add to that would be this, that while what Tim is describing is very, very relevant and very important, most sellers won't engage in these value driver kinds of persona activities without some type of tool. So in the book, we introduce several automated tools that are commercially available in the market that individual salespeople or sales organizations can actually use to help them quantify value with the buyers, okay? So if we don't just talk about it. We show you where and how to use that in the book. You bring up an interesting point that you've gone and mentioned several times that there's a lot of strategies and tactics in this book, right? How much of the book is right. you know talking about the three new personas you have and how much of it is like an operations manual I can go through and start using things tomorrow? I'll tell you the early part of the book sets the stage for what we call the collaborative sale the new buyer, the research behind the buyers, so that the readers or sales organizations can actually buy in to the balance of the book, if you will. Then we introduce what we'll say, now that we've identified some of the problems, now what's needed, and then we introduce the sales personas, if you will, that are there. And then we take it from there into what we call tool sets that salespeople can use, the competencies, the tools, that can apply. So it's a blended between the theory behind the book, but then practical application and tools that salespeople and sales organizations can apply tomorrow. All right, gentlemen, the micro marketer persona, the visualizer persona, and the value driven persona. If we're buying into what you're saying, and I think you're on the mark on those three things, do we not have to go back and rethink who we're hiring? In other words, who we're hiring in our sales roles? I totally agree. I think you do need to rethink who you're hiring. And the competencies that we've outlined for each of these personae are extremely important to be able to relate to Buyer 2.0 and engage effectively with them. And they are decidedly different than what they've been in the past. So, yes, I absolutely think we need to rethink what kinds of people we're hiring for sales positions today. Keith, any insight on what we should be looking for? The thing that I would suggest here, right, it's almost like the perfect straight man here for us, Jim, in that in the book and in our business in particular, we are introducing to the world something we call sales talent optimization. And what that specifically means is that not only do we have to hire differently, right, based on these new competencies, based on how the buyers are buying, but as an organization, We've got to have some way of determining, you know, statistically, if you will, who can and who can't. So it's not enough just to say you have to hire differently. So what we're introducing and we do have introduced are assessments around these new the criteria and the new competencies. So both in the book, so I would encourage people to go on our website, and if they would like, they can actually – test and see how well they fit into these new competency roles. Organizationally, if people need help, then they can call us, and we have a whole group or division within our business called Sales Talent Optimization 
to help both with the hiring as well as the existing sales force to determine within that sales force which ones can actually make this transformation. And this transformation of some of these companies you're talking about, I'm just kind of curious in your gentleman's opinion, are we at the beginning of this evolution? Are we somewhere in the middle? Or is that bell curve passed? We're on the backside of this, which means we're getting ready for another transformation. Jim, this is Tim. My opinion is that this is a transformation that's been happening for the last decade or so, but it's accelerating. I think we're on the front end of it. I think we're going to see the sales profession continue to evolve where they have to be more highly professional, more well-equipped to engage with buyers and align effectively with them, and more savvy in how they communicate and interact with buyers. And that's going to require a higher level of skill and competency. So I can only see that this is going to continue to be a trend that will continue to accelerate. Keith may have some different opinions, but I think we're at the beginning of this transformation. I agree with the timeline on the transformation where we are. The one thing that I would specifically add, though, to what Tim is saying is that it's not enough to say that you got to think differently. They've got to have specific tactics and strategies to apply that. So specifically to engage with these new buyers along these three personae, they've got to develop the situational fluency concept. And in this visualizer, the ability to either meet them where they are in their vision engage or enhance it or re-engineer it is so critically important. If salespeople can't do that, they are not going to do well with these new buyers. One last comment on that as well. The other thing we've discovered is many of these competencies, it certainly helps if you're born with them and they're part of your DNA, but that most of these can be learned and developed if they have the right tools if they have the right processes, and they get the right coaching. So it's possible to make these kinds of transformations. So I am very optimistic that people that are successful in selling today can continue to be successful as they understand these different personae and how they can adapt to them. And I'm sure it's not by accident, but where you picked the name the collaborative sale, why specifically collaborative? How does this play into what's going on? Yeah, Jim, the real fundamental truth here is around the philosophy of transparency. Because buyers are so well-informed and educated and savvy today, they really want to work with people in a collaborative way. They want to work with someone or organizationally that truly is transparent with them. And so part of the reason for both the naming as well as the philosophy is because that's what buyers are demanding. And, Jim, let me add on to that, if I may. One of the reasons why we wrote the book is Keith and I and the other consultants at SPI, we've had a lot of questions about solution selling, a solution selling-based approach to the we're basically we're trying to solve customer problems, and that's how we sell things to them. Is that philosophy, is that approach relevant today? In fact, some of the pundits out there have written solution selling is dead because of these buyer behavior changes. Well, we sell and market the branded methodology solution selling, so we wondered if that was true. And, and in our investigations, what we found was the most important thing that sellers can do to align with buyer 2.0 and sell more is to collaborate in a transparent fashion. And at its core, solution selling has always been about collaboration. So this really represents an evolution of that kind of thinking to align what's always worked in solution selling with the buyer behavior today. 
Our guests on BizTalk are Keith Eads and Tim Sullivan, both from the Sales Performance Group International, one of the largest sales improvement firms in the world. We're talking about the book they co-authored, The Collaborative Sale, the definitive guide to the new reality of sales in a world of empowered buyers. Keith, you're with the CEO of a company today as relates to her topic. The one piece of advice you're giving them is what? Well, it depends on the nature of the conversation, but if the CEO is concerned about revenues or the state of their sales organization, there's two things that I really want to emphasize to him or to her, and that is that to really maximize the organization's results, the sales organization really needs to be following what I call a consistent and or dynamic sales process. So if you haven't invested in defining that around a philosophy like the collaborative sale, that's critically important. That's number one. Then number two, you've got to make sure that you have what I call sales talent optimization in place so that you've got the right people that's coming in and the right people that are on the team in order to be successful in today's world. Tim, is there one question today that I should have asked you that I haven't? No, Jim, you did an excellent job. I think we covered the essential personae that salespeople need to adopt to align to new buyer behavior, buyer 2.0 behavior. And we talked a little bit about some of the philosophies and approaches that are necessary to be successful sellers. So I want to commend you for your good questions. I think we covered the waterfront today. Tim, one last question for you. You're listening to your conversation today, and part of your brain goes to, well, I got to get this done today, I got to get this done, and I got to get follow up on this, and now I got to figure out how to be a micro marketer and got to figure out this value thing, and then I got these other projects to follow up on. And at times, I can imagine people listening going, man, this is just a little bit overwhelming, which typically happens when you're transforming anything, right? When you're shedding some old and you're picking up some new, but you still got to take care of now. <laughs> so the one piece of advice, Tim, you could give in terms of how do we keep this in balance, man? Well, I think first thing that you can do, once you understand this point of view, this point of view of selling that is related to collaboration and transparency. Take a look at your current opportunities. Take a look at what you're not doing or doing that should perhaps be done in a different way to align with new buyer expectations and behavior. A lot of times when we sell, we tend to focus on stuff that's always worked for us in the past. And often that works well, but given that the pace of change is continuing to accelerate, I would start first with what can I do differently to make a difference in the accounts that I'm working in today, the customers I'm working with today, and the opportunities that I'm working with today. And then use the appropriate parts of this point of view around a collaborative and transparent approach to maybe make a difference and generate some immediate revenue. This isn't the kind of thing that you have to totally radically change everything that you're doing. We want to keep those things that continue to work. But if you can apply some new ideas and new thinking to better align with buyers, you're going to be much more successful. Keith, what's next for Keith Eads? Well, it's a very exciting time for our company, Sales Performance International, as we currently are, as I mentioned earlier, involved around the globe with sales organizations. What our immediate future is with our clients and where we're taking is around the idea of performance platforms. For example, the idea of sales talent optimization, 
linked to learning, linked to sales enablement or sales automation. Because as Tim was describing the idea of how do we do this, what we're trying to get organizations to do is make it easier for the salespeople by putting these philosophies into what, let's say, their business process, their sales process, so that it's just the way of life for people. So what's next for us is a common platform where we can help all of our clients throughout the world in the area of sales talent optimization, learning, and enablement, right, to drive higher levels of sales performance. The book is Collaborative Sale. We've been talking with Keith Eads and Timothy Sullivan as we've been talking about solution selling in a buyer-driven world. Gentlemen, thanks for being on the program. Jim, thanks. Thank you, Jim. It's been a pleasure. This or other BizTalk podcasts may be downloaded by visiting our website, biztalkradioshow.com, or you can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at BizTalk1040 and like us on Facebook. If you want to learn the strategies finding and getting performance out of A-player salespeople, contact Performance Group by calling 800-950-9509 or visit us on the web at pmgllc.net. This has been your host, Jim Lovato.